Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow, here to tell you about my Giza Dream bed sheets. I made sure that they would be everything you'd ever want in a sheet set. I started with the world's finest cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all meet. The long staple cotton makes my Giza Dream sheets ultra soft and durable. They come with extra wide pillowcases to fit over any pillow and extra deep pockets to fit over any mattress. Not only that, they come with my 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And now you can get the best sheets ever for the best price ever. When you buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheet sets, you'll get another one absolutely free. I personally guarantee that they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Specials for the buy one, get one free offer on Giza Sheets. All you got to do, Renegade Nation, is enter the promo code RENEGADE or call 1-800-889-6817 for these great specials. That's 1-800-889-6817. Use the promo code RENEGADE. Please be aware, the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be considered disturbing, frightening, and in some cases, even offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the things that go bump in the night, frighteningly imagined creatures, supernatural beings, and even some unsolved mysteries. But I promise all sorts of weirdness. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, and prepare to be transported to today's dark enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, well, with today being a holiday and all, I don't want to take too much of your time from your families and plans and barbecues and all that good stuff. So today's episode is super short, but I hope you'll love it as much as I did putting it together for you. So with that said, we will still be playing our drinking game. And as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. The choice of libation, as always, my darlings, is yours, so choose your poison accordingly. All right, now for the game part. How about every time I say bear? That will be a single shot. And every time I say independence, that's going to be a double shot. I know you guys are going bear and independence. What the hell is she talking about today? It's okay. All right, now that we've got the business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's Dark Enigma. So don your most festive party hat and your most coveted beverage as we jump into today's offering of the Cherokee myth of the bear man. Now, normally I would just jump into our story, um, but before we get to today's story, I also wanted to show my respect and reverence for the holiday and talk about the 4th of July for just a minute. So indulge me, my darlings. The 4th of July, most Americans only know it as a day off in July. But today, 
I want to give you a little brief rundown of what it really is and what it should mean to you if you are an American. And it's going to share some insight to our non-American listeners so that maybe they can join in our celebration as well, except for the British because we whooped your ass. Sorry. It is what it is. Anyways, on July the 4th, 1776, the 13 United States colonies claimed their independence from Great Britain, an event that eventually led to the formation of the United States. Each year on the 4th of July, also known as Independence Day, U.S. citizens celebrate this historic event. The colonies, the populations of which were considered subjects of the King of England, declared their independence from Britain's Parliament as well as King George III himself. The colonists were a melting pot of not only English, Irish, and Scottish, but also people from elsewhere in Europe and beyond. In many colonial communities, people spoke their native languages, adhered to the customs of their countries of origin, and practiced their own faiths, although Catholicism was frowned upon, if not illegal in the colonies, but that's a whole other story. We're not going to cover that one today. But the different groups had one thing in common. They all had to swear loyalty to the King of England and submit to the law as a British subject. Over time, more and more of the colonists began to resent being under the thumb of Great Britain. This tension turned to outrage when the British Parliament imposed the Stamp Act of 1765, putting a tax directly onto the colonists for the very first time. Although the tax was a relatively small amount, the colonists were enraged that they had no say in it. For them, it was a matter of principle. And all the stamp, although the Stamp Act was repealed the following year, in its place, Parliament imposed the De Declaratory Act, stating that Great Britain had complete power to legislate the colonies. The issues of taxation and representation raised by the Stamp Act strained relations with the colonies to the point that, ten years later, the colonists rose in armed rebellion against the British. Not really. All we did was attack a ship and throw some tea into, into the harbor. It was never quite so polite, right? Anyways, over the next few years, violent rebellions were common as more and more colonists demanded freedom and viewed the British Parliament as corrupt. These seeds of rebellion would eventually flower into the creation of the United States of America as a sovereign nation. The publication of Thomas Paine's stirring pamphlet, Common Sense, in early 1776, lit a fire under the previously unthinkable idea. The movement for independence was now in full swing. Open conflict between the colonies and England was already a year old when the colonies convened a Continental Congress in Philadelphia in the summer of 1776. During a June 7 session in the Pennsylvania State House, later named Independence Hall, Richard Henry Lee of Virginia presented a resolution with the famous words, Resolved that these united colonies are, and of right ought to be, free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is, and ought to be, totally dissolved. Those are some powerful words. Lee's words were the impetuous for the drafting of a formal declaration of independence, although the resolution was not followed up on immediately. On June 11th, consideration of the resolution was postponed by a vote of seven colonies to five, with New York abstaining. 
However, a committee of five was appointed to draft a statement presenting to the world the colony's case for independence. Members of this committee included John Adams of Massachusetts, Roger Sherman of Connecticut, Benjamin Franklin of Pennsylvania, Robert R. Livingston of New York, and Thomas Jefferson of Virginia. The task of drafting the actual document fell on Jefferson. On July the 1st, 1776, the Continental Congress reconvened, and on the following day, the Lee Resolution for Independence was adopted by 12 of the 13 colonies, with New York not voting. Discussions of Jefferson's Declaration of Independence resulted in minor changes, but the spirit of the document was unchanged. One of the main documents that informed Jefferson's wording of the Declaration of Independence was the, Vir the Virginia Declaration of Rights. The Virginia document also ended up being the basis for the Bill of Rights. Revisions to the Declaration of Independence continued through July the 3rd and into the late afternoon of July the 4th, when it was officially adopted. Of the 13 colonies, 9 voted in favor of the Declaration, 2, Pennsylvania and South Carolina, voted against. Delaware was undecided, and New York, you guessed it, abstained. John Hancock, President of the Continental Congress, signed the Declaration of Independence. It is said that he signed his name with a great flourish, so England's King George can read this without his spectacles. Today, the original copy of the Declaration is housed in the National Archives in Washington, D.C. It's stored under the most modern archival conditions to preserve the delicate, precious document. The famous preamble to the Declaration of Independence reads as such, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we never stopped there. But why do we celebrate the 4th of July? Well, July the 4th was designated as a national holiday to commemorate the United States declaring itself to be a free and independent nation. Although, it was actually July the 2nd when the Second Continental Congress officially voted to declare independence from Great Britain. It wasn't until July 4th that the finalized Declaration of Independence was approved. And guess what? It would still be a few more weeks. August the 2nd of 1776, until most of the delegates were able to travel to Philadelphia to actually sign the document. And 4th of July observances only became commonplace after the War, the war of 1812, according to the Library of Congress. By the 1870s, the 4th of July was the most important secular holiday on the calendar. The U.S. Congress made Independence Day an unpaid federal holiday on June 28th of 1870. It wasn't until 1938 that Congress made it a paid federal holiday. The importance of the holiday lies not only in celebrating the birth of a new free nation, but in recognizing the significance of the Declaration of Independence, which was, in the words of, in the words of Abraham Lincoln, a rebuke and a stumbling block to tyranny and oppression. And the first big 4th of July party took place on the one-year anniversary of independence in 1777. It was a spontaneous celebration in Philadelphia. People set off fireworks, built bonfires, lit candles in their windows, and lined the avenues with joyful shouts. A band played celebratory tunes, artillery fire was from colorful decorated vessels on the Delaware River filled the air with booms and gun smoke. John Adams' daughter, Abigail. 
My dear daughter, yesterday being the anniversary of American independence was celebrated here with a festivity and ceremony becoming the occasion. Like most big street parties, there was also quite a bit of drinking going on, at least if William Williams's complaints are to be believed. The founding father from Connecticut disapproved of the shenanigans and later harumphed about the great expenditure of liquor that day, among other transgressions, according to Edmund Cody Burnett in Letters of Members of the Continental Congress. Okay, now that we understand why we have the yearly backyard barbecue or block party, it's more than a celebration of a day off. It's a celebration of America, its roots, and the determination of our forebearers to build a more utopian society for their families to both live in and be proud of. Okay, now that we've covered that part of it, now we'll go to America's shame and go to today's real story and the Cherokee myth of the bear man. I know, I went from, from American to American Indians. Follow along. Get a playbook. All right, so the Cherokee myth of the bear man. Here we go. A man went hunting in the mountains and came across a black bear, which he wounded with an arrow. The bear turned and started to run the other way, and the hunter followed, shooting one arrow after another into it without bringing it down. Now this was a medicine bear and could talk or read the thoughts of people without their saying a word. At last he stopped and pulled the arrows out of his side and gave them to the man, saying, It is of no use for you to shoot at me, for you cannot kill me. Come to my house and let us live together. The hunter thought to himself, He might kill me. But the bear read his thoughts and said, No, I won't hurt you. The man thought again, How can I get anything to eat? But the bear again knew his thoughts and said, There shall be plenty. So the hunter went with the bear. They went on together until they came to a hole in the side of the mountain, and the bear said, This is not where I live, but there is going to be a council here, and we will see what they do. They went in, and the hole widened as they went, until they came to a large cave like a townhome. It was full of bears, old bears, young bears, and cubs, white bears, black bears, and brown bears, and a large white bear was the chief. They sat down in a corner, but soon the bear scented the hunter and began to ask, What is it that smells so bad? The chief said, Don't talk so. It is only a stranger come to see us. Let him alone. Food was getting scarce in the mountains, and the council was to decide what to do about it. They had sent out messengers all over, and while they were talking, two bears came in and reported that they had found a country in the low grounds where there were so many chestnuts and acorns that mast was knee-deep. Then they were all pleased and got ready for a dance, and the dance leader was the one the Indians call Kalas Gunata, Longhams, a great black bear that is always lean. After the dance, the bears noticed the hunter's bow and arrows, and one said, This is what men use to kill us. Let us see if we can manage them, and maybe we can find, fight man with his own weapons. So they took the bow and arrows from the hunter to try them. They fitted the arrow and drew back the string, but when they let go, it caught in their long claws, and the arrows dropped to the ground. They saw that they could not use the bow and arrows, and gave them back to the man. When the dance and the council were over, they began to go home, excepting the white bear chief who lived there, and at last the hunter and the bear went out together. They went on until they came to another hole in the side of the mountains 
when the bear said, This is where I live, and they went in. By this time, the hunter was very hungry and was wondering how he could get something to eat. The other knew his thoughts, and sitting up on his hind legs, he rubbed his stomach with his forepaws. So, and at once, he had both paws full of chestnuts and give them to the man. He rubbed his stomach again, so, and had his paws full of huckleberries and gave them to the man. He rubbed again, so, and gave the man both paws full of blackberries. He rubbed again, so, and had his paws full of acorns. But the man said that he could not eat them and that he had enough already. The hunter lived in the cave with the bear all winter, until long hair like that of a bear began to grow all over his body, and he began to act like a bear. But he still walked like a man. One day in early spring, the bear said to him, Your people down in the settlement are getting ready for a grand hunt in the mountains, and they will come to this cave and kill me and take these clothes from me. He meant his skin. But they will not hurt you and will take you home with them. The bear knew what the people were doing down in the settlement, just as he always knew what the man was thinking about. Some days passed, and the bear said again, This is the day when the top knots will come to kill me, but the split noses will come first and find us. When they have killed me, they will drag me outside the cave and take off my clothes and cut me in pieces. You must cover the blood with leaves, and when they are taking you away, look back after you have gone a piece, and you will see something. Soon they heard the hunters coming up the mountain, and then the dogs found the cave and began to bark. The hunters came and looked inside and saw the bear and killed him with their arrows. Then they dragged him outside the cave and skinned the body and cut it in quarters to carry home. The dogs kept on barking until the hunters thought there must be another bear in the cave. They looked in again and saw the man away at the farther end. At first they thought it was another bear on account of his long hair, but they soon saw it was the hunter who had been lost the year before, so they went in and brought him out. Then each hunter took a load of the bear meat, and they started home again, bringing the man and the skin with them. Before they left, the man piled leaves over the spot where they had cut up the bear, and when they had gone a little way, he looked behind and saw the bear rise out of the leaves, shake himself, and go back into the woods." When they came near the settlement, the man told the hunters that he must be shut up where no one could see him without anything to eat or drink for seven days and nights until the bare nature had left him and he became like a man again. So they shut him up alone in a house and tried to keep very still about it. But the news got out and his wife heard of it. She came for her husband, but the people would not let her near him. But she came every day and begged so hard that at last, after four or five days, they let her have him. She took, her, she took him home with her, but in a short time he died because he still had a bear's nature and could not live like a man. And if they had kept him shut up and fasting until the end of the seven days, he would have become a man again and would have lived. An interesting story. How nature can give and take away. Anyways, on that note, my darlings, we have come to the end of the episode, and I wish you a very, very joyous 4th of July. I thank you for joining me here today, and I hope that you'll take some time and reach out to me, share your thoughts about today's episode. You can always reach me and the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com, and if you have a suggestion for a future show, you just want to share your thoughts about today's episode, or you're bored and you need somebody to chat with, drop me a line because I do reply to every single email. 
And on that note, that's all the time I have for you this evening. I thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio. And you guessed it, don't forget to tune in next time. See you, my heathens. I love you. We don't sugarcoat shit. (laughs) This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.